Well, what a month of football we have ahead of us, and you can enjoy it all down the pub with We Love Sport. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in association with We Love Sport. I'm Nicole Holiday, and this is another of our Euro Hangout specials. Tonight, we are here at the Gloucester Green Pub in Birmingham, where we've just watched England thrash Norway. OK, we'll get into the action shortly. But first of all, I've got to introduce our very special guests for this week. So first up... She's pretty known in this area, having spent the past few years playing for Aston Villa. She's played for Arsenal, for Chelsea, represented Team GB at the Olympics, represented the Lionesses 71 times. Incredible. You're nodding like, yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> That's standard it, procedure, no? Right. It's Anita Asante. Absolutely incredible to have you here. Thank you so much. Did I get all those facts Yeah, right? you, you did really well there. Yeah. Probably a lot more other things as well that we could add to that. Um, Also joining us, she has played for Everton, Liverpool, currently Sheffield United, represented her country at youth level, and now taking the punditry world by storm. Yeah? Making an effort. You are. Making it up as I go along, but doing it successfully, so I'll take that. You're smashing it. It's Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. So nice to have you here. Look, we, we obviously need to talk about England at absolutely demolishing Norway tonight. But first of all, how are you both finding the tournament so far? Full on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Full we, on. we were both yeah. comparing notes and Just... we don't know what day it is, what game we've got next, but that's the whole fun of it. Yeah, right? you know, learning to pronounce people's names right, not butchering that on TV. Mm-hmm. That's one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but fantastic, fantastic tournament. Great group games. Getting to see a lot of talent from all over Europe and for me, it's just, yeah, it's great to see from the other side of the, the lines. Is every game kind of starting to merge into one a bit, I can imagine? <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot. It's been a lot. I was at, I think, the France game. I think, I'm saying I think, because I'm <laughs> honestly not sure. The France game, uh, Sweden, Netherlands. So, yeah, it's all merging into one. But, again, agree in terms of just great to see so much talent on show. Obviously, for a home Euros, it, it's fantastic. The weather has been so kind mm. to us. So, yeah, it's all seeming to, to come together in a good way. So we saw some Group D games on the weekend. Uh, we'll start off with Belgium-Iceland, 1-1. I was quite surprised at that. I kind of had Belgium down to win. I think that's pretty fair. Most of us probably did. Um, talking about butchering names. I'm about <laughs> to do that right now. Um, so Bergland, Thorvaldsdottir. Probably absolutely that's annihilated that. And that's confidence. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Just be like... Pull my shoulders back, stay with my chest. Uh, missed a penalty in the first half, but then got the header to put Iceland ahead in the second half. But then Belgium, of course, equalised. Um, Anita, you were covering that game, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I think so. I think I was there. I think so. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was um, a bit of a mad one. It was, it was quite evenly matched, I think, from the outset. We thought it would be a, a close game. Um, Belgium probably started the better of the two sides. Neither side really took control of the game. It was quite transitional and scrappy. Um, but I expected a lot of what I saw from Iceland mm-hmm. because I'd been impressed with um, Sveindis Jonsdottir, the left winger, um, in the Champions League for Wolfsburg. And I thought she, she lit up the game. You know, she was the one you were, you were drawn to. You're watching every attack was coming through her and Williamsdottir on the right-hand side. So Iceland kind of gave up some surprises. I don't think we expected that. Uh, Belgium, they grew into the game second half, late in the second half, when they felt they had a chance to stay in it 
they made a difference. And I think experience and, and what they'd done in 2017 um, helped them, you know, deal with the pressure. And then uh, France versus Italy. <laughs> what a game. What a game. But I'm so impressed. Don't you think so? I definitely thought it was going to be tighter. I didn't expect France to just absolutely smash them, really. Yeah. I mean, the, the attacking talent of France going forward is absolutely frightening. The last time those two met, I believe it was a 1-1 draw. Um, so, yeah, I, I must admit, I was expecting a cagier affair, but I absolutely loved it. I think, you know, Diani, especially on the right-hand side, she didn't get on the score sheet, but she was like a cheat code. It was like she was playing on the estate. <laughs> it was something like out of FIFA Street, and I just love watching her. Cascarino, obviously, that goal was fantastic. Gilro comes up with a, a casual hat-trick, and Katoto, her goal record, 23 years old, 26 goals in 31 starts. That is ridiculous. But yeah, they were fantastic to watch. I suppose the only tinge in that was the fact that it was 5-0 at half-time. They didn't add to that in the second half. And also they conceded a goal, which I think, you know, even when you win 5-1, especially that defence and, and the goalkeeper, they'll, be that, they'll have that in the back of their head. They'll be disappointed that they didn't come away with a clean sheet. But yeah, France mightily impressed me. Well, it's interesting because, obviously, Kototo has been a name that people have been saying as a potential for the Golden Boot, but now she'll be looking over her shoulder at a teammate and be like, uh, no, no, this is meant to be me. She'll be wanting to nudge her out of the way and yeah. be like, you know, I'm supposed to be the one getting hat-tricks. But as Courtney said, you know, that team is just full of so much talent. Um, you know, you look at the subs bench as well, and any one of those players can come in and seamlessly fit into the team and make a difference. But with what, what I find quite interesting with this France side is I know we've spoken about it before on the podcast and a lot of other people have been talking about the fact that there's a lot of drama and a bit of chaos off the pitch with them, but they've just shown that that doesn't seem to matter and that they can kind of pull it together and perform on the big stage. Yeah, they seem to thrive in the chaos at, at, at times. And, you know, again, agree in terms, if you look at that squad depth, that is ridiculous and this is a team without Omri as well that they've not even brought to the tournament. So, yeah, that is obviously some of the chaos and the drama around it. But I think, you know, regardless of what's happening off the pitch, if you can perform like that on the pitch, then you always uh, give yourself a chance. Do you think that it was France being so good or Italy not being great or, or were they just outclassed on the, on the day? I think France ultimately dominated Italy. I think they're still a developing team Domestically, the league is, is growing and the professional game is growing in Italy. So, you know, this is going to be a massive learning curve that they're going to have to recover from really quickly. But France showed their class. And I think Italy, you know, they tried to play a similar way in terms of possession and building up. They just didn't have the, the quality to match the, the intensity and, and the, handle the pressurising game of France. On this podcast, we've been saying that, of course, France... Germany potential tournament winners I'm sure you'd agree with that and any other team that you feel like can be thrown into there yet well I think we've been saying France for a long time and they've yeah. not won a major tournament they've not passed the core final stage so in terms of like what you mentioned before in terms of drama we want to hope that doesn't hold them back this tournament either but of course Spain has been considered favorites I think England have to be considered favorites um, they've been favorites from the beginning for me with this squad um, but yeah, you know, Netherlands, they're the previous winners. So, you know, they've not started the tournament as well as they would have liked to, but you just never know. 
Yeah, I think Spain was one of the obvious ones. Pateas, the injury, Hermoso not going, mm-hmm. that changes the dynamic. Um, and yeah, in terms of the Netherlands, I think with players like Vivian Miedemar who can change a game like that, they always stand a chance. And, you know, I will say, I, I won't lie, I was going to say Norway as a bit of dark horses, <laughs> but mm. yeah, that, that's gone right down the pan today. Um, and I, I'm glad it has. But yeah, I think that prediction was very, very wrong. I was going to say Sweden. Yeah. I forgot. We keep forgetting yeah, about yeah. Sweden. Second in the world. Sweden, you know, second in the world. So much, uh, you know, experience and youth. I think they got probably the best blend of that in the squad. And they kind of fly under the radar a little bit. So in this group, in England's group, Group A, Northern Ireland took on Austria earlier today. Austria winning 2-0. N- not a massive surprise there. I think that's fair to say, right? No, not a shock. And I think the game followed a similar pattern we would expect from Northern Ireland is in terms of being dogged, determined, trying to stay in the game, which they did, but just not having that bit of firepower going forward. I think losing Simone McGill is massive because she's one of you know their best players and so much experience in, within the WSL. But also, I think they played into Austria's hands again. Um, you know, looking at that in terms of playing out from the back, I think there's no shame sometimes in just shutting up shop a little bit, being a bit more direct. But again, they're playing out from the back, they're getting caught out and it's coming from mistakes. So, you know, in, in terms of the management there in Kenny Shields, does he need to look at that? And, and also, you know, is it, are the players following his direction? I don't know, only they know that within camp. But I think that playing out from the back, it's not for me. Yeah, and I think Northern Ireland can take a leaf out of Finland book a little bit you know Finland play a very rigid solid defensive style of play um, and just look for the counter-attack and it got them success early on in the game against Spain ultimately Spain's class you know outclassed them but I think they have to be a bit more pragmatic going into the next game versus England so we're gonna we're gonna come on to tonight's game that we have just watched together so on the last podcast uh, myself Andrew and Rianne we were saying The general consensus was an England win, but we all thought Norway would get a goal and that it would be quite quite tight, quite cagey. I think it's completely fair enough that we thought that, right, heading into this. We know how, well, I say how good Norway are. I mean, tonight would say differently, but we know the talent that they have in that side. Then tonight, England have gone and beaten them 8-0. 8-0 and a little stat, little fact, no men's or women's team have scored seven or eight goals in a European Championship finals ever. So this is huge. I mean, firstly, what what did you both make of the game? <laughs> well, history makers for, yeah. for one, so it's great. I think, you know, Norway weren't at their best tonight. We can say that very clearly. But equally, I think the way that England started so quickly, they were you know, so dynamic in their movement and what they were doing. They were straight on the attack. And then in terms of defensively, they were so, so aggressive. And that's what surprised me about Norway as well, um, in terms of the fact that, you know, you can talk about formations and everything else in between, but just as a player, win your 1v1 battles, be aggressive, make sure you can do all that you can do. And I just felt like the players were half a step behind. There wasn't a little, um, like, the heart in the way that they were playing. So that surprised me. Um, so I think it was a mixture of England being phenomenal. They were clinical more so than they were against Austria. Um, and yeah, just some really, really good patterns of play. And also managing the game because you know, and Neitz will know as well in a game where you know that the other team are down and you can capitalise on that and go again and go again. And what I liked about it is they didn't just stick for one, two, three goals. They really went for the jugular tonight. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, Norway are 11th in the world in FIFA rankings. They're not 
a rollover type of team. You know, they've got world-class players in Caroline Graham Hansen, Arda Hegerberg, you, you know, Marnham. You could reel the list Guru off. Guru Wright. Guru Wright. Fantastic you know, season. So you have to give credit to England in the way they approached the game, the intensity. They didn't stop. They were dynamic. They stuck to the game plan. They were clinical. But as Courtney said, if you don't win your individual battles, that's mentality. That's not wanting to get into a physical challenge. We didn't see them make however many tackles in the game, you know, just to let England know that they were in for a contest. And when you get a team that comes flying at you with that momentum, you're always running backwards to your own goal. That starts to make you have negative, a negative approach to the game. And that's what we saw with Norway today. When the lineup came out and that we saw it was unchanged from Austria, what, what did you two think? Because I had a little look on Twitter <laughs> and as you can probably imagine, there was a lot of, where's Alex Greenwood? Why is Ellen White starting? That, that was kind of the, the main talking points. What, what did you think when you saw it? Yeah, listen, I think Alex has been unlucky and I've said that in terms of the fact that Leah was playing in midfield, wasn't she, for those three warm-up games. That didn't work. They've moved her back, so effectively that's pushed her out. She's had a fantastic season for City. You saw it when she came on. She had a set-piece threat. She's got fantastic quality on the ball. Um, and in terms of Els, like, I, I get some of the criticism because as soon as you have that number nine on your back and on your chest, there's an expectation to score goals. And I get that. But equally, if you, if you know your football and, and watch the work that Els does off the ball and the movement to defend from the front and to open up channels for other people, she's so unselfish in her work. And I was so happy for her tonight for her to get them goals because she deserves it. So, yeah, I think everyone's always going to have opinions, aren't they? But I think sometimes consistency in a major tournament goes really far. And you've seen that tonight. It's a, it's a good problem to have, you know, as a manager, to know you've got all this talent. They're versatile in the way they can play in terms of tactically as well. And Alex Greenwood's been phenomenal. Every time she's put on an England shirt and for club, and they'll know that when she's called upon, she'll do a fantastic job as well. So it's important from a psychological perspective as well as a physical one. But, you know, in Ellen White, you know what you're going to get with her. Whether or not she's been scoring the, the amount of goals that everyone had expected prior to this tournament... Her positioning, she gets herself into positive positions and it's hard to do that at international level. You only get so many chances in front of goal. And you, you look at that scoreline and you kind of think, yeah, I can trust in Serena Beekman. I think, I think she knows what she's doing. Yeah, and so casual at the end. I don't think she broke a smile until sort of after five minutes after the full-time wish and she was walking around as if to say, yep, that's my team. I told you so, 8-0. So... Yeah, obviously, she's a fantastic manager. She's already run the competition with the Netherlands, so we already know her pedigree, and sometimes you've got to trust in the process. Yeah, so let's take it back, if we even remember, because there were so many goals. That first goal obviously came from the penalty, so it was Georgia Stanway that that scored. Um, Did you think it was a, a penalty? No, an initial look. I, I guess defender, that's the defender, that's defender, that's that's defender. No. So I'm sorry about that, but I thought it was soft, to be honest. You know, football's still a contact game. Of course, you can't be rash and you're going to get those slight bits of contact sometimes. So, but, you know, they've got the benefit of the doubt. The referees give it and Georgia Stanway has converted it wonderfully. Um, you know, a pressured situation to put your team in front as well. And, and she did that. Courtney, you knew exactly where she was going with that penalty, didn't you? Yeah, called it straight away, top left, and yeah, she rifled it, top bins. But, you know, I agree. I'll, normally it's forward union, but to be fair, that penalty was, was soft. I think the way when you see it, the defender, yes, she puts the arm across, but she doesn't grab the shirt or anything like that. So 
you know, sometimes a bit of luck's got to fall your way and it was a good start for us early to, to get on top and it just got the ball rolling. Yes, yeah, so there were six goals in that first <laughs> half. I mean, that Georgia Stanway penalty, Lauren Hemp, Ellen White, Beth Mead. I've got so many different names <laughs> on, on this tablet written down here. Uh, Beth Mead got two, then Ellen White got another one. We were hoping to see one of them get a hat-trick. And then we did Beth Mead in the second half. I mean, what a player she is. She is in the form of her life at the moment. She seems so confident and she's just having a great time as well, isn't she? Well, that's, that's what confidence does. When you are feeling good about the way you're playing and she's been playing well at Arsenal too across the season, you do things instinctively. You're not thinking about it. You're not hesitating. She's, you know, dribbling at players and she's not second guessing if she's going to take someone on or slip someone in. And her finishing has been immense, you know. To be clinical in those pivotal moments is, is so important at tournament level, and, and she's done that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. She started a career at Sunderland as a number nine. So I know she's a, a, a winger now, or a, a wide forward, as we call it, in a, in a 4-3-3. But you can see she's got that clinical edge to her. And, you know, I agree in terms of when you have them purple patches in your career sometimes, what Beth is having now, you, you go on the pitch and you, you literally feel invincible that you know that you're going to score or you've got a good feeling and you're going to play well. And she's definitely in, in that sort of space at the moment. And it's a joy to see. Alessia Russo came on in the second half and got a goal, which I know we were all really happy to see. I mean, she's such a talented player, isn't she? Yeah, another young player coming into the England squad. I think we all wondered, you know, who's going to take the baton from Ellen White um, in the, leading into the future. And I think she's definitely putting on the strong case for that. You know, she works hard. She's really quick. She's physically strong. She's an all-round type of num number nine. You know, she'll run in the channels, but she's really good in the box as well. And I think in a system like this where you have dynamic wingers and we stretch teams, she's going to be really a key threat in that forward line. Now, what I like about the balance as well with, with a lot of our forward lines, and especially when Alessia Russo's in there, they're so interchangeable. So is that front three sometimes? Beth, you know, they change positions and, and Beth Mead will go in the nine. Hempo can roll in. When Chloe Kelly plays, she does the same thing when they play inverted. And as you say, Alessia Russo, for a young age, she's, she's got so much physical prowess about her in terms of she's great in the air. She's got a great touch. She's powerful. She's got a, a little bit of everything. And at that age, it's scary, isn't it? I mean, this team and like what we saw tonight, what, what I find quite funny, I don't know, it's not funny, but a bit <laughs> odd is that, that opening game, and I completely understand, and again, you two will obviously have much better insight than I would, but the, that opening game against Austria was just, just the 1-0, and then we come out here against, I would say, a side, you know, arguably is, is better, Norway, than, mm. than Austria, no offence to them, and we just absolutely hammered them. Like, what... What is that? Is that was it the nerves, the the pressure of that opening game at Old Trafford, the atmosphere, just everything? I think so. I think there's have been, especially a home Euros. There's been a lot of pressure leading up to this. There's been so much more media um, yeah. around the tournament that there ever has been before. And you know, you see the adverts, don't you, on the telly and, and players being, and, and it's all the little things like that that you know contribute to that. Then you walk out at Old Trafford with nearly seventy thousand fans, and it, it must have been um, so overwhelming. And I think it, it's. They don't want to let people down because I think they know that the nation's eyes are watching now um, and there's a, you know, there's such a great feeling and, and a feeling towards the girls and I just think they didn't want to let people down. But it's tournament football. You don't want to peak too soon. And the most important thing is, well, <laughs> I mean the first game. Yeah. The, the, the important thing is it was another, you know, it was a clean sheet. 
they won the game, it's three points, and, and they got the job done. And I think you see now that pressure's off what they can do when they're just enjoying their football. Yeah, yeah it's all the build-up and anticipation. Mm. You know, this has been a long time in, in the works to this tournament where they've been preparing, playing friendlies, qualifiers, and now it, that day finally arrives and you're dealing with nerves, you're dealing with pressure and, and all of that anticipation. And I think it's about feeling what it feels like, you know, taking in the atmosphere and, and coping and managing with that, but also dealing with not when you don't have momentum, when you don't necessarily have your best game, can you still find a way to win? And they've shown us that they can do that, and that's a great added tool that they'll have that they can utilise this tournament. How will they be feeling right now after that? I mean, they must be absolutely buzzing. And I feel like they've been quite confident heading into this tournament anyway. We know that England are one of the favourites. But surely that is going to cement that feeling to them that they can do this. Yeah, but equally, you never get too high with the highs and never get too low with the lows. How can you not with that? No, look, they will be and they'll enjoy it tonight, but by the time they get back, they'll be doing their recovery the next day and stuff like that, and again, you, we talk about Serena and she's funny, isn't she? Not really smiling, mm. keeping a cool head on it and yeah, she, we did get a little smile out of her at the end but again, that's her job to just make sure the girls are in the middle ground. Effectively, for the group, the job is pretty much done. I think it's nice because we'll be, maybe we'll be able to switch it around a bit. And I think that's important. And again, in a tournament format where the players that haven't played that many minutes, they will get that opportunity because you never know when they're going to need it to be called on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, you know, these players, of course, they'll be buzzing. You know, they'll get back to the hotel. They'll be celebrating. But they know there's more games to come, you know, and ultimately they'll be looking at Group B going, we've still got big games potentially, you know, to face if we expect perhaps Germany or Spain to be one of the hopefully next victims, then, you know, they'll have that, you know, they'll have that in, in the back of their mind as well. And they're ultimate professionals at the end of the day. Who else stood out for you tonight then? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of players that you can reel off. Mm. There's loads. I think Beth, because the goal scoring, but also the assists. And there was one of the balls that Els nearly got to. She missed it. It was unbelievable. It was beautiful. It was pinpoint. And, you know, it's easy to mention the forwards, but what I liked about Kira Walsh tonight was she was always the pivot. She was always starting the movement off, and, and that's how Kira plays. She's always available just to keep everything ticking, keep everything going along, and, and she helped the momentum with the girls because, look, it easily at 3-4-0, it could have gone quiet or it could have gone a bit flat, but she's almost like that net metronome, just keeping the ball moving and, and keeping the tempo good, so I wanted to shout that out. <laughs> yeah, and you can always look at the front line, of course. Hemp is exciting. I feel like she's a player you always want to jump out your seat. She just excites everyone. But uh, the, the back line, you've got to give credit to Millie Bright and Leah Williamson marshalling you know, the team from behind because they're the ones ultimately that set up the build-up play, allow the team to deal with playing out of pressure, getting those forward passes that give the team momentum, and also clean sheet. They've had clean sheet after clean sheet. For the psychology of the team, that is so important to know that those forward players can, can trust those players behind them. Yeah, I think that's a massive thing, and I always think that if you can... Um, trust the people behind you. You just know you've got to do your job. If you go and score a goal, you know that there's nothing going in at the other end, so that gives you even more confidence. What is it then with Serena Wiegmann that has just taken this team to another level? For me, I think it's um, the patience that she's added to this England side, that they're not fretting about going to try and score too quickly, You know that they, they build up the play, they get into the final third and it's not transitional. We're just attack, defend, attack, defend. 
they get in and around the box and sometimes they're, they're patient. They can swing it, switch play side to side and wait for the right opportunity. But also allowing our wing players to just play with freedom and express themselves. Like that's the that's when you're going to see the best of those players, when they don't have to worry about, you know, I need to be on this blade of grass when this player has this. Mm -hmm. They have, obviously, a tactical way to play, but they know they can just be creative. Yeah, yeah I think for, for a number of years at times with England, it was a little bit paint-by-numbers. There was always the phases of play and the patterns, but it was almost too rigid at times. And as you say, as that forward three now and, and the attacking midfielders joining, you can just see they've got so much freedom and, and so much confidence. And, you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like you can tell with her she adds a calmness, but I think she just gives the girls the belief to say, you know what? You are good enough to mm -hmm. go and win this tournament. You are world beaters. And I just feel like there's that quiet confidence that she's instilled in the players. The team look fearless now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In previous competitions, you see players playing sideways and backwards and it's constantly negative and you're constantly getting the momentum away, you know, from going forwards. But now, first thought, can I play forward? Can I hit our, our most threatening players? And, and that's the kind of thing you want to see from players that are confident. Yeah, I think she brings an environment where it's safe in a sense that you can make mistakes. You can, as you say, try and play that penetrating pass forward and it's okay to make mistakes. And, and as I say, I feel like for sometimes, for so many years with England, it was so rigid and they were so scared to sort of break that cycle and, and I say, go forward and lose the ball that actually it, it had had the opposite effect. So, yeah, there's, a, there's a, um, no fear to, to make a mistake. And, I mean, it could have been a lot more tonight as well. <laughs> we could have been sat here talking about 13-0 at one point, it looked like. Um, England's next game is, of course, against Northern Ireland. I think it's fair to say there's only one way that that's going to come out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, no disrespect to Northern Ireland. This is their first tournament, mm -hmm. and it's, it's great for their nation as well. They're, they're role models. They're heroes right now. They've set, set off that trajectory for the future of Nor Northern Ireland football. But England are just at a different level at this point in time. And they're only going to continue to grow in this tournament. And, and they're going to want to show, um, make a statement. Mm. Whoever they meet, they're letting everyone else know in the tournament that okay, we're here because we want to win. Um, and that's what we're going to see, I reckon, in the next, next game. Yeah, and I think if Northern Ireland stick to their game plan of, of playing out from the back as well, regardless of, of whoever starts for England, I would like to see a, a few changes. As I say, to, to give the girls that haven't started, Beth England, Alessia Russo, mm -hmm. uh, Chloe Kelly, let them get a run out for sure. Um, but, you know, regardless of whoever that front three is, we're always so aggressive going forward in the press. So if Northern Ireland are going to play out from the back, it, yeah, it could be another big scoreline. And Anita, you were saying earlier that we'll then face either Germany or Spain, most likely. That's going to be a f very tough. I say that, but we thought Norway would be really difficult tonight. I don't see a scoreline like this against either Germany or Spain, don't get me wrong. But do you have belief and faith that whoever we, we face, that we will get through it and we'll be able to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to have belief. And I think the girls will have belief. You know, that's why they're in the, they put themselves in the position that they're in. And they'll know they're going to have to face either one of those sides anyway. So mentally, they'll be prepared to face either one of those teams. If they start with the intensity that they've started today, I have no doubt that they can do damage against any of those sides. You know, I watched the Spanish game. They didn't, they, they struggled with a team that was physical, aggressive, played forward quickly and, and they were out of, sh out of sorts for a while until they sorted themselves out. And England, they, at the minute, they don't let teams rest. 
-hmm. It's like we're going, you know, we're attacking, we're, 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 and we're committing numbers, we're creating overloads. And if they do that against a team like Germany or Spain, I think they'll get a lot of success. Yeah, and I think in any tournament, you know, to be the best, to get to the final, to win the final, you've got to beat the best team. So whether it comes in the quarterfinals earlier or later, you've got to go and play those teams at some point. But totally agree with Anita in terms of the way we're playing, it shouldn't matter who, you know, not in a disrespectful way, but again, for so many years, maybe England have catered their game plan on the other team and, and looked at the other team and done the analysis and thought, this is what we've got to do to negate this team. But now we think about us. This is about how we play, how aggressive we are, and other teams have got to cater to our style. And I think if they meet either one of those sides, what's going to be key is that it's going to be about the team that's better in those transition moments. Who takes control, not turning the ball over as soon as you win it back? And can you capitalise when you break that shape I think it's going to be crucial because I watch Germany and they're ruthless. And for years, German, German sides have always done the basics extremely well. They've not always had necessarily the stardust. But as a team, collectively, they work hard in both directions. And, and that's what we're going to have to be mindful of. And other teams would have been fearing England heading into the Euros. After tonight, surely <laughs> they will all be slightly terrified? Without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. Look at that team, the, the way that we... No, the goals that we scored, the build-up play was phenomenal. And, you know, not even just that. Then you've got the, the home crowds as well to contend with. And you know what? Not just at the England games, the crowds have been phenomenal. And, again, that's been great to see everyone really taking it on board. Um, I was at the, the Netherlands-Sweden game, which was a fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, when you've seen it at the fan park. So, yeah, it, it's been brilliant. But I think anyone facing that England team... and. The thing about us is the depth, because you look at the 11, they're all starting players, but it's the same with the bench. All players starting um, at their respective clubs having great seasons, and, and that's the, the big thing for me is the players are coming into the season and they're playing on merit. They're playing on performance and, and what they've already done this season. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a scary prospect facing that England side. Yeah, of course the other teams are going to be afraid. They should be. <laughs> if, you, if they watch that game tonight, they should be. And I think Norway were afraid before they even kicked a ball. Because their media and their press were saying, you know, England are favourites, they're stronger than us, they ranked higher than us. They were already trying to deflect before they'd even kicked a football. So, you know, there's, I think there's a number of nations out there going, this England team, mm -hmm. you know, they got something about them. And they should fear us. Uh, before I let you go, I want a prediction for England, <laughs> Northern Ireland, please. It's funny because you don't want to be too savage, but yeah. also off the back of tonight. Mm, you know what? I'm going to go in the middle. I'm going to say four. I do think there'll be a few changes to the team that sometimes, I wouldn't say it upsets the balance, but obviously when, when you change a team around it, it takes the momentum out um, a slight bit. But the, the girls that have come in, again, fantastic quality. So I'm going to say four. And I think Northern Ireland as well, especially playing against England, a little bit of rivals, sort of home nation rivalry. I think you know they'll do everything they can to keep it as low as possible. But yeah, England four, Northern Ireland nil. Yeah, I probably would have said the same, but let's be real, after tonight... <laughs> 17 nil. We shouldn't even put a number on it, and not to be rude, but I just think that if Northern Ireland continue to play the way they're playing in terms of building up from the back, they're going to do more damage than good to themselves. Yeah. And lastly, is it coming home? Say it really quietly. <laughs> it's coming home. That was quite loud, actually. Yeah, I got too excited. <laughs> We're not the only ones who believe. You know, I, I was speaking to um, Vicky Lasada the other day yeah. and she was like, everyone in Spain thinks England. Ooh. So, uh, of course it's coming home. Well, 
You heard it here. I was going to say you heard it here first. You didn't because we're all saying it. We're all singing it. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And let's, let's hope we're right. Let's hope your score predictions are correct and that we bring it home. Please. <laughs> That's it from us. Don't forget to subscribe to the Women's Football Podcast on all podcasting platforms. And if you want tickets to our next hangout this Friday in Manchester, then head to welovesport.co forward slash women's dash euros. See you there.